so much uh, for loving us. Lord, you are the great and mighty God, and uh, and you're our loving, compassionate, gracious, merciful, forgiving Father. Uh, you're all those things at once, big and, and, and massive as you are that we sang about and, and worship you in, that, in, your, in your magnificence this morning. But remember that you also love us as well. And you commune with us just out of your grace and out of your mercy. So we thank you for that. As we turn our attention to your word, Lord, we ask you to speak to us, encourage us, instruct us, we pray. Change us so we might be more and more the people you've called us and created us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, well, this morning we're going to continue then in our uh, teaching series, uh, uh, the new series we began last week. We're calling it Let's Talk About God and Politics, the two things nobody really wants you to talk about. We're just going to go ahead and jump in and talk about them. Uh, I introduced the subject last week. If you happen to miss it, I strongly encourage you to check it out on our YouTube channel. You can get there through our church website if you need to do that. And as I mentioned a moment ago in the announcements, last week we also began uh, the series of discussion-based uh, discipleship gatherings that we're calling uh, Let's Talk About It. And they're open forum gatherings intended to give you the opportunity to ask questions about what we talk about on Sunday morning uh, and then also to ask questions and, and discuss and engage in discipleship kind of oriented discussion about uh, pressing topics of the day, all while learning to develop and hopefully operate out of a biblical Christian worldview. Uh, and this week, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the belly of the beast. Tomorrow night at 7, uh, we're going to look at, at, take a major look at whom you should vote for this year. Uh, now, I'll go ahead and tell you up front uh, that I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you how a follower of Jesus ought to come to that conclusion, how a follower of Jesus ought to make his determination about whom to vote for. And uh, I know many of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor Billy, you know, that's a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Figuring out who to vote for is a no-brainer. And I have to be honest, quite a few people have made that decision without using their brains. But I want to encourage you that if you think it's that easy to decide who to vote for, there's a good chance you may not, in fact, be uh, uh, employing all that biblical of a worldview. So I'd strongly encourage you to come and participate with us tomorrow night, if you can, 7 o'clock here in the Centers for New Life or over live stream as well. Now, to be honest, I am personally super excited about, uh, really more excited about these discipleship gatherings than about even the Sunday morning series, because our fundamental mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus. Disciples who know how to function in the world, who make more disciples of Jesus, who know how to function in the world. And a key to being a good disciple of Jesus is operating from a biblical worldview. So to get you ready for tomorrow night and get us ready and moving this morning, I'm going to read for us a, a substantive portion of Proverbs chapter 9. It's a little bit longer than, than what we would normally do, so we're not going to read it together. I'm just going to read it for you. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 13 to 17. Verses 1 through 6 talk about wisdom, and verses 13 to 17 talk about folly or foolishness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Uh, but listen, Proverbs chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, this is what the Bible says. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewed out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids. And listen, she calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Then dropping down to verse 13, the Bible says this. The woman folly 
is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat, listen, at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come in here, she says, to those who lack judgment. Stolen waters are sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and we're going to talk about it for just a moment. Now, the first thing I want to make sure you understand this morning, really one of the main things I want you to understand this morning is that both wisdom and folly, both wisdom and foolishness are crying out, calling out, trying to get your attention, calling out, trying to get you to follow them. They've both taken up prominent positions at the highest point in the city, and they are both calling out loudly for you to join them. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 9, 4, that wisdom calls out from her house, let all who are simple come in here. And the Bible says in Proverbs 9, 16, that folly, foolishness, calls out from her house, let all who are simple come in here. Both are calling out, both are calling out to you, trying to get you to follow them, and many, many people today, cannot tell which voice is which. In fact, that conundrum of discerning which is wisdom, which is folly, is addressed in Proverbs chapter 8, where wisdom herself speaks and says this, All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. And I want to make sure you understand that when it says here in the Bible that the words of wisdom are right to the discerning, that they are faultless to those who have wisdom, it does not mean that the word of God is right for some, but not right for others. It's not saying that, that, that wisdom is, is, is right and true for some people, but not right or true for other people. What it's saying is it takes some genuine discernment and some genuine knowledge in order to be able to tell the difference between wisdom and folly. In order to be able to tell the difference between truth and error. And that's frankly a really big deal because both of them are calling out to you. And it is especially a big deal because the Bible says folly is loud. Folly, foolishness, shouts extra loudly. Foolishness does its level best to drown out the voice of wisdom. Now, I noted last Sunday night in, in, in our uh, Let's Talk About It gathering that there is a rapidly growing divide in the evangelical church with more and more professing Christians uh, taking polar opposite positions on a host of incredibly significant issues. And I said it then, I'll say it again, that reveals a discipleship problem. The goal of every true disciple of Jesus is to become more and more like Jesus, which means as you and I as disciples of Jesus become more and more like Jesus, we should be therefore by default becoming more and more like each other. Not in superficial ways where we end up with the same haircut and like the same music, but in substantive ways 
if we're authentically growing as disciples of Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus, we should be increasingly having more and more things in common in terms of how we think and how we live and what matters to us most. Jesus wants you discipled in the word of God. The enemy wants you discipled in the ways of this world, and you need to be able to tell which is which. A few weeks ago, we were praying and worshiping together in a service very much like this one, and Debbie Hill shared a word that the church in America has a filter problem, that the church in America needs to do a better job of filtering out the poison, filtering out the toxins that are bombarding us constantly from the world. The foolishness and error and sin and deception that keep crying out, calling out from the highest places in the city, shouting for everyone to follow them, shouting out in politics, in the media, in schools, in universities, all over the internet, and sadly, even in a number of churches. You need to understand this morning that foolishness is loud. The voice of this world is loud, and it takes some genuine discernment and knowledge to be able to tell truth from error, wisdom from folly. Time in the Word of God provides and strengthens your filter. It helps you develop an authentically Christian biblical worldview, and in many ways that worldview then becomes your filter. It helps you judge between competing voices. It helps you judge between truth and error. It helps you discern whether or not that inkling you have, that that sensing, that feeling you have, really is the Holy Spirit, or maybe it's just one of your thoughts or your ideas. Now, now I want to be clear. I love and I believe in the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. But I also have to tell you the truth. I deal with Christians. I talk with Christians all the time who could not tell the Holy Spirit from a hole in their head because they are not grounded in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit was given to you in large measure to help you filter, to help you judge between truth and error, right and wrong. But if you are not grounded in the Word of God, it's often going to be hard for you to tell what is and what is not the Holy Spirit. While I'm on the subject, let me just go ahead and point out How you approach the Word of God has a tremendous amount to do, an enormous impact on your ability to handle the Word of God correctly, on your ability to interpret it correctly, and on your ability to apply it in your life correctly. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now the Greek word here that the New International Version translates as correctly handles is the word orthotamaunta. Everybody say that. <laughs> Close enough. Sokotoa, whatever, it's one of those things. It literally means to cut straight. When you read the Bible and seek to apply it in your, lo- in your life, looking for guidance in areas like how to vote in a given election or which side is right in a given discussion over a given issue, when it comes to super practical matters like those, 
you've got to handle the scriptures correctly. And the word the Apostle Paul uses here conjures up an image of carefully and properly dissecting the text. Carefully and properly dissecting that word. Uh, to make sure you see what you need to see, to make sure you don't miss anything that's important, and to make sure you don't carelessly and sloppily cut out something that really matters. When you go to read the Bible and to try to apply it in your life, you want to do that correctly. And i got to be honest with you. For several years now, I've been reading articles, I've been reading postings, I've been reading entire books written by professing Christians, college professors, theologians, plain old rank-and-file pastors like me, attempting to apply the, the Bible to matters of politics and government and public policy, and often doing it embarrassingly, frighteningly badly. Not just failing to cut straight, but in some cases cutting terrifyingly crookedly. Now I believe there's a growing generation, really a growing mass of Christians, many of them young Christians, who really want to mesh their lives together with their faith. They, they, they really, really want to live and to interact and to think and to vote biblically. But it is my experience, in my opinion, that a great mess of those are making a great mess of that pursuit because they do not know how to rightly handle the Word of God. They do not know how to handle the Word of Truth correctly. They're reading and following and listening to people who are not cutting it straight. And it is my sacred and somber responsibility to warn you about that danger. As I get ready to close up this message this morning, I, I, I want to offer you just a little bit of counsel in this uh, regard from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Many Christians know that 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul talks about the importance, the power of the Scripture. He says, all Scriptures God breathes. It's a well-known verse of Scripture. Many Christians know it. But I want to make sure you get it this morning in its context. So listen, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, this is what the Bible says. You, however, Paul says, know, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There are two things quickly I want to make sure you notice in the context of this passage this morning. For the Apostle Paul concludes the passage by talking about the power and importance of the Scriptures. 
And the first thing I want you to understand about the context is it is exactly the same context I have given you this morning from Proverbs chapter 9. It is the context of many people, some of them genuinely evil, some of them merely confused or misunderstanding, but many people going around calling out, calling out to you, deceiving and being deceived. Wisdom and righteousness are both calling out from the highest point they can get to. And foolishness is particularly loud. Both wisdom and foolishness often claim to be telling you what God wants. Both foolishness and wisdom often claim to be telling you what the Bible means. And both of them these days are commenting a lot about politics, government, and public policy. And addressing the concern, that concern in this passage, the concern about lots of people deceiving and being deceived, the Apostle Paul points you to the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation and, don't miss this, and the Apostle Paul points you to those from whom you learned it. Those who taught you and trained you and raised you in the Lord. Godly parents and grandparents, faithful pastors and elders and Christian friends. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying here to protect yourself from deception and error and foolishness, you need to know your teachers. And you need to know their way of life. You need to be disciples who are being discipled by real life people. You can touch and talk to and occasionally eat with. You need to be discipled by real life pastors and elders and parents and friends. The, the pastors and elders and parents and friends that God has set in your life. The teachers and disciplers who know you and whom you have opportunity to know. Notice that when the Apostle Paul writes these words, he says this, You, however, know all about, all about my teaching, all about my way of life, all about my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance. Paul is saying, Timothy, listen, you know me. Too many Christians these days are trying to be discipled by internet voices and celebrity pastors. Now, let's be honest. When it comes to those real life pastors and parents and, and, and friends that you've seen for a long time and you grew up with and, and you, you touch base with them regularly, let's be honest. You've seen them long enough, you've begun to see their weaknesses and their flaws and their failings and their failures. But let me assure you on the authority of the Word of God that those TV and Internet personalities, those more distant professors and preachers and proclaimers of wisdom, I assure you they have faults and flaws and weaknesses of their own. You just don't see them because you're not close enough to them. 
I fear one of the major reasons for the rapidly growing generational divide in the evangelical church is that many sincere younger Christians have seen some of the shortcomings, genuine shortcomings in the thinking and maybe lifestyle of some older Christians. Older Christians, perhaps, they looked up to at one point. Shortcomings like, for example, in many cases, the very real failure to think or talk or possibly even care about issues like poverty and racial justice. But that my concern is that when those concerns arise, when those challenges arise, when those things pop up, neither group appears to have figured out how to work through those concerns together. Too often, older believers have lacked the humility to consider honestly the questions and critiques of the younger generation. And too often, the younger believers have lacked the humility to recognize the contributions of the older generation and to commit to walk and talk together with them patiently as they try to work through their very real questions and concerns. And yet in situations exactly like this, the Apostle Paul instructs us in the Bible, test everything, hold on to the good. Say good. Test everything, hold on to what you find out is right. My experience is far too often Christians test some things, they find some aspects they think are wrong, and then they throw the baby out with the bathwater. And in doing that, Many of these younger Christians have latched on to newer, more revolutionary, and louder voices, often coming from more polished, more modern, and more attractive vessels. But newer and louder and even right on occasion is not the same thing as biblical wisdom, and it is not the same thing as a teacher you know. I am concerned that some, not all by any stretch of the imagination, but quite a few of these newer voices are offering up very fine-sounding ideas that are nevertheless wildly wrong from an authentic biblical worldview. We'll start digging into that more intensely this week, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, right here. As we dig into our Let's Talk About It gathering. In the meantime, let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for the gift of your word, for the power and the clarity of your word, for the warnings we have in your word, for the instruction we have in your word. Lord, for reminding us this morning that, that wisdom and foolishness are both calling out trying to get us to follow. Grant us the discernment and the knowledge we need to tell which is which. Grant us uh, the ability to work through challenges and difficulties with one another that we might grow together as your people, learning from one another generation to generation, growing closer to one another, closer to you, and more and more like Jesus in the process. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.